Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Wednesday at 9 p.m. RPM's about doing the work. The work to build a democratic socialist future. Each week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in New York City. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute live from WBAI a socialist radio show and podcast from members of New York City's Democratic Socialists of America. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States, with 95,000 members nationwide, and New York City DSA is its biggest chapter. We are run by our 7,000 members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. My name is Desiree Joy Frias, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm on the organizing committee for the Bronx Upper Manhattan branch. Happy Pride Month! As a bisexual woman of color and as a new mom, I'm so happy to share this time with you as we celebrate the beauty of our queer community. I'm thankful to stand beside all of you as we fight for our shared liberation. Yet the capitalists and police state have tried to co-opt our struggle. Everywhere you walk in New York, you can see banks, corporations, and cop cars decorated with rainbows in an, effect, in an effort to conceal that these institutions remain forces of domination against the oppressed people of the world. The Reclaim Pride Coalition, RPC, will take to the streets on Sunday, June 27th, to stage the third annual Queer Liberation March. We're joined by lead organizers Natalie James, Sage Lease, and New York City DSA endorsed candidate for city council Tiffany Caban to discuss the upcoming action and much more. But first, the headlines. Senator Diane Savino has withdrawn her attempt to pass a bill supported by Uber and Lyft that would provide gig workers with a union without classifying them as employees. She intends to try again next year. New York State municipal unions are shifting 200,000 retirees from Medicare to the privatized Medicare Advantage program as a means of cutting costs and improving their position in bargaining future contracts with the city. The city law department suffered a serious hack, potentially compromising the privacy of municipal employees and confidential court documents. Despite pressure from the progressives, the New York State Association of the Criminal Defense Lawyers and Criminal Justice Reform Advocates, Democrats confirmed tough-on-crime Cuomo ally Madeline Singus to New York's Court of Appeals. Singus may have withheld expulsionary evidence from the defense in a 1990 case that led to three wrongful convictions. The NYPD's use of stop and frisk, which has come up in this year's mayoral race, has never gone away and continues to disproportionately target black and Latino New Yorkers, according to the police department's own numbers. A PAC funded by Republican billionaire Ronald Lauder and Stephen Ross has sent out mailers in city council races across the city targeting seven candidates, including DSA-endorsed Adolfo Abreu, Alexa Aviles, Michael Hollingsworth, and Jaslyn Carr, while supporting 15 others. While Maya Wiley has championed police reform in her mayoral run, those familiar with her stint as the head of the Civilian Complaint Review Board recall a mixed record. 
Charter schools may see more favorable treatment in the next mayoral administration, regardless of who wins. Eric Adams faced scrutiny for comments he made that championed remote learning and a teacher-to-student ratio of 1 to 300 to 400. After Adams faced allegations that he does not live at the Bedford-Stuyvesant address he lists as his residency and, in fact, has lived in New Jersey with his partner for years, the Brooklyn Borough president led the press on a tour of his apartment and released his EasyPass records. New York Magazine asked notable New Yorkers about their ranked-choice voting strategy from Cynthia Nixon and Fran Lebowitz to Chelsea Manning and Kat Marnell. I'm Lisa Shi, and those are our headlines for today. Thanks, Lee. Our headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by New York City DSA Electoral Working Group that covers local politics and radical activism. Subscribe at thethorn.nyc. The DSA slate for the city is hurtling towards the final stretch, as early voting has already begun. Last night was the final debate for mayoral candidates, and early voting is open until Sunday, June 20th. The final day to vote, Election Day, is Tuesday, June 22nd. Earlier today, Jack Devine was at the Brandon West campaign office to speak with the candidate and his staff. Let's roll that clip. So we are here at uh, Brandon West's campaign office with Brandon West himself um, during the final stretch of the campaign. So just how are you feeling? How did it, uh, you know, in this final week uh, with you know, everyone out voting and early voting, people doing get out the vote and being part of a bigger slate. Uh, so, like, just like what's the status of the campaign right now? Yeah, I mean, things are going really well. It's super hectic, obviously, you know, and every election cycle is different. And this is a very different cycle for a whole host of reasons. But, you know, really, we've been sticking to the message and we've been sticking to trying to talk to as many people as possible to get them that message and get them on board with that kind of future for our city and our district. And that's been something that, you know, we all, the entire slate shares and we've all been, you know, sticking to this idea of it's, you know, boots on the ground and, and conversations and, you know, in, at people's homes or on the street or at the polling places to really get that going. And, you know, it's been really great. You know, people have been excited to say that they've already voted. We've seen fo- folks, you know, you know, see us when we're walking down the street, you know, with signs and everything else. There's been like a lot of energy around the cycle. And that's because we've had a bunch of people come out and really take the time to go hit a couple extra doors, do a little bit more work and the volunteering. So uh, that's the only way for us to win it is really having an operation and a message to, you know, to do it on election day, but then also that becomes the, the operation that we have afterward to like actually build this out and actually organize people and create something that is more powerful for folks, you know, and that is, you know, takes a lot of work, but I think, you know, we're, we're building it out now. Like this is, this is, you know, in, in moving to election day, we're, we're modeling the kind of city we want to see by, you know, building out power for working class folks and organizing them, you know, door to door. So, uh, it's been really great and we're just going to the final stretch. So last weekend was our get out the early vote weekend. Um, and we, uh, had an amazing turnout. We knocked on 11,000 doors. Um, we had over 150 volunteers come and sign up for shifts. Uh, and it was really, really fun. It was amazing because so many new people came, um, and most of them uh, because they had heard of us uh, through DSA and the Slate. 
Um, and so this weekend, we're going to do it all over again. Um, it is our GOTV final weekend. Um, it will start Friday and go through Monday. Um, our aim is to knock on at least another 11,000 doors. Um, so we're definitely still looking for volunteers to come and canvas with us. Um, and then uh, election day, June 22nd, is going to be a huge day. We'll have full site visibility and canvassers out. Um, and I just am so excited to see everyone there. Um, this this campaign in particular, I think, has just done an amazing job of growing new leaders uh, for the movement um, and, you know, bringing just so many different types of people from all the DSA working groups um, and across the city even um, here to District 39 to get Brandon elected. Um, and if you'd like to sign up to volunteer, you can go to uh, our bit.ly, uh, which is bit.ly um, backslash Brandon dash GOTV. Um, and uh, we'll hope to see you out there. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Jack. Uh, so I'm here with Natalie James, a comrade in New York City DSA and on the organizing committee of the Queer Caucus. Thanks so much for coming back to RPM. Please introduce yourself. Uh, hi, Desiree. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be back on uh, on Revolutions. Um, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and um, uh, like you said, I... I uh, was uh, I'm on the OC of the Queer Caucus, and I was a co-founder of the Reclaim Pride Coalition, which organizes the Queer Liberation March. Awesome. And how did you get involved in the socialist movement? Well, uh, like uh, many of us, um, I was radicalized uh, in 2016 by the Bernie Sanders campaign. Uh, I traveled to several states, including my home state, to canvas um, for Sanders uh, in Florida. Um, and I happened to notice that a lot of folks that I knew in the LGBTQ plus community had uh, fallen for the faux feminism of, of Hillary Clinton and um, were Clintonistas. And I was frankly traumatized by that. Um, and I saw, you know, much to my delight, a little uh, sign for a gathering at a very uh, um, old and historic uh, gay bar in the village called Julius. Uh, and it was put on by a group called NYC DSA. And it was a LGBTQ plus um, leftist slash socialist slash Bernie gathering. And uh, I, I was just... That sealed the deal for me in New York City DSA. I decided then and there I would I would be a, a member and I would do what I could to support the organization. And how did Reclaim Pride Coalition first emerge? Um, I basically it emerged um, right after the Trump was elected uh, in uh, there, in the the Pride March in 2017. There had been something called the Resistance Contingent. It was a group. Of, it was a kind of com- a kind of a collection of various groups. Everything from um, you know leftist groups like New York City DSA and um, P- People's Power Assemblies and other groups uh, that were leftist in, in scope, and other groups that were more explicitly queer, like ACT UP and Housing Works. Uh, but all kind of uniting in this idea that. Uh, the rise of the right represented by Trump posed a unique threat to the uh, LGBTQ community. Um, and uh, after that march, uh, Heritage of Pride, which uh, is the sort of Orwellian name for the group that uh, created and ran and ran the uh, 
and runs the corporate pride parade in Manhattan. Uh, after that 2017 march in 2018, true to their anti-democratic and non-transparent form, they just announced we couldn't march together. So those groups that had marched in 2017, we, we came together, we banded together, we formed some demands in regards to police involvement in the march, police um, policing of the march, in regards to the corporate floats, in regards to the grandstanding politicians, in regards to, um, you know, uh, even things like the barricades that had been put into um, uh, New York public spaces, starting with the Giuliani regime in the 90s, that uh, were these interlocking metal barricades that really um, destroyed freedom of movement and uh, freedom of association. So these were all issues that we organized around, but we were largely ignored. Um, And so with that behind us, we decided we wanted to have a people's protest march with no corporate floats, and with no police contingent within the march. And uh, and we were actually inspired by the fact that in 2019, when we organized the first Queer Liberation March, it was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. We wanted a historic route, so we we uh, reenacted the, the route of the very first Pride March, which started in the village and ended in Central Park. And, uh, you know, as you just spoke, the first Pride was the Stonewall Riot on June 28th, 1969. Um, How is the New York City Pride Parade, which is now called Heritage of Pride, how is that that parade different or not in the spirit of the original uh, Pride? I would say that it's it's different to an incredibly dramatic degree, to an Orwellian degree, I would say. Um, The, as you mentioned, the pride uh, pride events all over the world are commemorating a community uprising against police brutality, against police oppression, and um, this this was an event that that elevated and exalted the police, that fully cooperated with the police, and even gave them a place of honor within the march. Uh, in addition to utterly uh, commodifying. Uh, and exploiting the queer identity in terms of uh, sales of, of, uh, of licensing for these large corporate floats, which in turn allowed the, um, the, the, the companies and the organizations involved to what we call pinkwash their image or make them appear better than they, what they were. Um, and this was, again, completely at odds with the revolutionary spirit of people who participated in the Stonewall riots, people like um, uh, Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson, uh, Jay Tool. Uh, these were people that literally wanted to destroy capitalism. They, as as one person took uh, uh, mentioned, uh, they didn't just want uh, you know a, a, a piece of bread from the bakery. They wanted to blow up the bakery um, and uh, and to have that turn into what we see today in terms of the corporate corporate uh, event that it is today is is simply um, is simply just uh, was was appalling for many people. And so what are some of the demands or some of the core values of the Reclaim Pride Coalition? Um, So from the very first March in 2019, uh, as I mentioned, there was going to be no corporations. In other words, no corporate funding and no corporate contingents in our march. Uh, And there was also going to be no cops. Uh, There was going to be no police contingent. and And it was not going to be a march in partnership with the police. Um, in fact, uh, it, during the, uh, the the first march, um, 
our our demands in regards to the barricades uh, uh, was fulfilled in the sense that uh, in 2019, for the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, they had the police, uh, the NYPD, had so thoroughly barricaded the village that. They ran out of barricades, and as we were walking up towards um, the, uh, the uh, Central Park, um, there were no barricades. They had a few cones down there, and uh, and people t- picked up the cones and threw the cones out of the way in a display of defiance, and they took over the entire avenue, and the police kind of uh, rushed up to them in a display of force, but, but backed off. There were just thousands of people. Our, our first march was 45,000 people, uh, and... Uh, and, and when you have those sorts of numbers, you can really uh, take the streets. And my last question for now. Uh, so Heritage of Pride announced that police are no longer invited to their parade, either for quote unquote protection or as marchers in the parade itself. But they have said that they're hiring private security companies, many of which are staffed by uh, off-duty cops. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, police at Pride and why that's not good enough? Well, the um, it, it's sort of interesting, uh, to, you know, just to watch from afar as Heritage of Pride is going through what I think is is a lot of uh, internal strife and conflict. Um, many amongst our group would like to see it implode altogether, given uh, you know all the uh, you know all the the terrible things that they've done throughout the years, including cooperating with the. Uh, arrest of fellow queers back in 2017 who were blocking the police from marching past Stonewall during the Pride Parade. Uh, so in, there's not really, um, not I, you know, there's there's very, there's not that much sympathy in some ways, but, uh, but they are making a move. Um, what they had wanted was uh, initially to ban the use of, uh, of uniforms, police uniforms, by the Gay Officers Action League, which is an LGBT uh, employment association within the NYPD. Uh, now, the Gay Officers Action League, or GOAL, uh, re- refused that offer and uh, instantly, uh, you know, and, and, and they were going to be allowed to wear T-shirts, have a banner, they could represent their group. No, 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 no. They wanted to uh, have their uniforms and their, their weapons and be on full display, and, uh, and, and they were not going to, to take it sitting down. So, um, so basically, they went to the media uh, and said that cops had been banned from, from Pride, and Heritage of Pride then responded with a press release that they would be banning police from Pride for five years. Interestingly, for this particular year, there is no corporate Pride parade, just like last year, because of COVID, um, Heritage of Pride wasn't able to pull off the complex orchestra- orchestration of a uh, co- complex and incompetently made orchestration of uh, corporate floats in their 12 to 13 hour long procession. Um, and uh, and so corporate pride is canceled this year. So uh, so basically, that is, um, you know, that's sort of what's happening. And they're they're They had a temporary sort of head of their organization, uh, a, a, a gay man or a queer man of color who pushed through this change, the membership who were volunteers, and, and I think, lar- you know, a large proportion of them, white and middle class, uh, gays and lesbians, voted to overturn this ban. And then the board voted to overturn their racist, if democratic, vote. So it's been quite a whirlwind over at Heritage of Pride um, but from from us, uh, our vision was clear from the beginning, and uh, and and we believe in keeping with 
the revolutionary sort of uh, underpinnings of, of, of this event. So you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite prod- podcasting app. Uh, today, we're talking about queer liberation and the Reclaim Pride Parade, which is happening on Sunday, June 27th at 2.30 p.m. in Bryant Park. Volunteer and join them at ReclaimPrideNYC.org or at Queer March on Twitter and Instagram. So now, thank you so much, Natalie. We're going to take a quick break and go to Tiffany and Sage, two other organizers who are also going to speak about Reclaim Pride. My name is Desiree Joy Frias. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a bisexual cisgender woman living in the Bronx, New York. Um, I am here with two of my friends and organizers uh, with the Reclaim Pride Coalition. I'd love if you could both introduce yourselves and tell uh, tell our community about the work you do. Hi, my name is Sage, and I pronounce her she, her. I am queer, trans, uh, what is it? I don't know. Holly, Pinky, Jewish, white, and the Femi in some ways, I don't know. There's a whole bunch I, I keep trying to get figured out. Um, and I'm an organizer for Reclaim Pride Coalition. Awesome. And I am Tiffany Caban, and I love that you just brought, like, every intersection of your identity into the space, because I'm sure we'll dig into why it's so important to bring every single intersection of our identities into our politics, into our movements, into our organizing. Um, so I am a very proud queer Latina abolitionist socialist, and I it's just a pleasure to be here in conversation with you all. Thanks for joining us. So today we're going to be talking about the Reclaim Pride Coalition. Uh, Sage, maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit about what that is. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so the Reclaim Pride Coalition puts on an it's on the annual Queer Liberation March. Uh, this is our third annual Queer Liberation March. The first being in 2019. Then last year's was the Queer Liberation March against police uh, for Black Lives Against Police Brutality. And this year's. Uh, the third annual, I don't know. Um, and we are explicitly no cops, no corporation. We came together because, I mean, essentially our liberation, we're not there yet. And Pride has become a party. Uh, and, you know, different people come to it for different reasons. Uh, and so we put on the Queer Liberation March on Pride Sunday um, as an alternative to the way people can celebrate Pride, because the New York City Pride Parade and the people who put it on are not, they don't own Pride. The community owns Pride, you know, and and so we put on a march for the community. Like, there's no floats. Uh, you can't buy your way in. Um, we, you know, it, anybody can march out of the, you know, it, it is not a spectator sport, and neither is our liberation. Neither is Pride. Pride is not this thing that we observe. Pride is the thing that we participate in. And the fact that queer people are kept on the sidelines is not, is, you know, not pride. Um, and so the fact that, that, you know, the current iterations are parades, uh, is, is the reason why we came together and the reason why we keep doing this work is because, and, and it goes into so many other things. 
um, police brutality being at the forefront these days, black trans lives being at the uh, forefront, uh, uh, trans youth and all of the, the absolutely ridiculous legislation being put, um, being put forth, uh, to, to criminalize, uh, treating trans kids is dangerous amongst many other things, but also like, you know, it's, it's, we are here to continue pushing, pushing the envelope as it were. Um, it's funny. Yeah. So like we started at with uh, a group, uh, a groups, a bunch of groups, uh, including, uh, at, at actually the first meeting was at a, a DSA career caucus meeting. Um, and, uh, how, how's, how's that that meeting? It was fun. Um, and, and it has evolved in to a list of demands to people put on pride to saying they're not going to listen to us. We're going to do our own thing to where we are today. And can I share two, two reasons at least that I think that, um, it is so necessary? Uh, you know, one is that, um, for members of our community, pride is not just a celebration and, you know, sort of corporate pride has turned into really forcing and funneling, um, you know, into just this narrow view of like, Hey, we're happy. Let's celebrate. When for so many of us, pride, it has more to do. Like, yes, we celebrate each other, but we also celebrate the fact that we have survived. We mourn the people we have lost. We remember and honor the, our elders and the people who have come before us and fought. And we dream and hope for our community's future. And, you know, pride, corporate pride as it is, exists does not create the room for all of those things. And we should be able uh, to experience it all in all of its fullness, the way that we choose. Uh, and so that is what it is about for me, certainly. And then the other thing is that there comes a point where it becomes dangerous, where what is happening is, is that there is, um, you know, the risk of losing our history right of reframing or rewriting of that history or even like to the point of of um gaslighting or spreading the message that like we have arrived we have made it it is all good now uh and you know that just like it is really really important to talk about the ways in which slavery wasn't actually abolished and we have all of this work to do right just like you know we talk about um so many different issues in 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 that framing the same is true when it comes to queer liberation what we have seen are are certainly gains uh and you see the biggest and largest gains for um the folks that you would think right folks that end up being more more privileged right so you know you have people who are on the margins of the margins you know are are, are black and 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 brown trans and gender nonconforming and non-binary folks, like putting everything on the line to then get to a place where, um, you know, mostly cisgendered white gay, gay men or, or lesbian women have, have been able to, um, to enter certain spaces and live with a certain level of, of dignity or acceptance while there are so many of our brothers and sisters that like they're, like, we're, we're fighting. We are, we're, and beyond the binary, obviously, like, fighting, continuing to fight for just the basic level of dignity. We cannot forget that. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and after both of your, both of you organizing for so many years, uh, this year the NYPD has been uninvited from the 2021 NYC Pride Parade. Those private security companies will be hired. 
Um, so why, why don't you want cops at Pride? I do not, and, and the police, in fact, do not keep us safe, and not only do not keep us safe, but attacked the Queer Liberation March last year. Like, the, the, the only time we have had uh, any sort of violence at, at, at least our Pride events has been caused by the police. Like, they, 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 they are there to protect property, they are there to protect whatever status quo. They want to make sure we don't get unruly. And inevitably, the thing is, is they don't keep us safe. We keep us safe. Um, and, and we do so with, commu- you know, we have community safety and marshals, and, and we, we have methods that, are, that we've been using for decades to do so uh, within these marches. Um, and so, and more importantly, like the police brutalize and attack our communities they haven't stopped. They haven't stopped in 50 years. They just slightly changed tactics or, or do something for optics. And so why should they be given a place of honor in the middle of our, in the middle of like the parade, even like the parade component of it? Like, screw that. Um, and so the notion of, of the cops not being allowed in pride is, um, I, I support. I think it is a, a means of harm reduction. Um, it keeps those spaces safer for the people who the cops brutalize on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Uh, but I also think that the heritage of pride is going to go back on their word. It is absolutely a means of harm reduction. And there is no arguing that, that like, that is, that is fact. Um, you know, and, and again, it's when you talk to our communities, so many folks, you know, trying to find a space, and in an event like this, like there are so few spaces where we are able to, again, bring our whole selves, be in community with each other um, without fear. Right. Like as and I say this with varying levels of of privilege, um, you know, just despite being, again, a, a, a queer woman. Right. I understand that I am a cisgendered queer woman. Um, I understand that 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 there are other things that allow me to move through spaces, um, whereas some members of my community cannot. But even even knowing that, I have felt, like so many of, of the people in our community have felt uh, the the weight of walking into spaces that are not our ours, and then the relief, the relief when you walk into a space that is ours. And that is such a rare thing that we get to experience, just give it to us. At the very least, give it to us today, right? Uh, and, you know, there are so many people that have had traumatizing experience experiences with the, with the police. And let me also be very clear about another fact. State-sanctioned violence is a bigger threat to the queer community, right, at, at the hands of the police than uh, uh, a lot of the threats that sort of get kind of brought to the forefront to to justify state-sanctioned violence. Yep. Hate, like hate violence, right? Like, yes, hate violence in our communities is an issue. We have to address it. We have to get to root causers. Um, but at the same time, our community is more at risk of being the victim of state-sanctioned violence than hate violence. And that's a fact, Right. Um, and so really uh, like accurately identifying, um, you know, 
what the threats are, what the solutions are, what keeps us safe and healthy. And then just like, again, giving us the space and room and freedom um, to navigate and move through the world in ways that like we never get to, but should. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Pride is, is one month out of the year. Uh, but how are the struggles for queer liberation and socialism connected? All liberation is connected. Queer liberation is just a part of that. And capitalism is one of the most uh, oppressive forces that, you know, it's really just, it's one of the root causes of all of these oppressions, capitalism and, and colonialism and so on and so forth. And each are just sort of reinforcing each other. Inevitably, this idea that we are prioritizing Profits over people, capital over community, right? And so how does queer liberation like tie into that? It's the fact is, is that capitalism uses a lot of ways to control people. And a lot of those ways are sort of like the gender binary, uh, heterosexuality, patriarchy, um, monogamy and the queer community, frankly, challenges every single one of them. Like it's like, once you've broken the barrier for one or two of these things, like the rest of them are just like, why, <laughs> why would I do that? That's like, like once you cross the gender threshold, this is my personal experience. Once you cross the gender threshold, like everything else is just really doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and, and a lot of that is because society tells us that we have a template and this is the template on how to be a good citizen or, and, and within society. And, Frankly, I think queerness is a, one of the ways in which uh, we can challenge the the norms that capitalism has told us should be normal. Uh, norms such as even like, and and this isn't to say that heterosexual marriage is bad, but that it is, that it is the only option or even the default option. Nah, and oh, you know, and without marriage, do you really need like two people living in a house? Why not have a commune with a bunch of your friends and retire together? That sounds like a rad idea. And, and this idea that we can have, like, and, and more importantly, put in this or socialism ties in, putting material wealth and power behind other institutions that don't support, you know, this, this sort of like heteronormativity, uh, straight, you know, normativity. And so this idea of why, why do, like, Gay marriage is great, but why can't, you know, why is marriage so important? Why do these people get these benefits? Why can't we just write whatever, you know, binding contracts that we want with people and uh, redistribute and get tax breaks for it and, you know, be able to keep our wealth that way? I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I see a very, very clear through line um, and, you know, it, in socialism, uh, abolition, queer liberation, right? Like, and those through lines are, are very, very simple. They come from a place of saying every single individual has the right to be free from surveillance, has the right to freedom of movement, has the right to be free from state-sanctioned violence, and then going beyond that, saying every single human being um, has the right to access a dignified life, right? And that's housing, healthcare, you know, educational opportunities, job opportunities, uh, and that comes from rejecting a capitalistic, uh, a capitalist structure, um, and, you know, putting power back in the hands of, of working people, right? And then ex- expanding who working people are, because it's all of us, 
Um, so, you know, for me, right, those struggles, like we are all under the same umbrella. We are all part of, you know, moving towards the same kind of, of future. Our struggles and our fights are absolutely intertwined and aligned. You said it way better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, none of us are free until we're all free. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so thank you both so much for coming on. The website is reclaimprideNYC.org. The yep. Twitter handle is at Queer March. Is that all right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> same, same with Instagram. And I think we have a link tree if you want to, like, volunteer or come out or so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. The, the TLDR is Queer Liberation March on June 27th at Bryant Park at 2.30 p.m. Um, and, uh, you know, we're like, check out our Instagram. There's a bunch of stuff there. Check out our Twitter. I'm sure we're, you know, ranting against someone. And, uh, and can I just say that I want to wish people a happy, righteously angry, kinky, safe pride, y'all. Like, go out, be you, enjoy it, find community, um, and just sending a lot of love to folks. Yeah. Radical joy and righteous anger. That's right. Thanks. I'll see you both. I'll see you both then. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're talking about queer liberation and the Reclaim Pride Parade on Sunday, June 27th at 2.30 in Bryant Park. Before we go on, I want to ask that you make a gift to our station. With queer voices being suppressed across the country, from classrooms to state capitals, curriculums to legislation, it's more important than ever that our community preserve our spaces, like WBAI 99.5, that platform our voices and preserve our stories. If you can give $5 a month or a big one-time donation in honor of Pride, it'd make a huge difference. Please call 212-209-2950. That number is 212-209-2950. Or go to WBAI.org. Thank you. So now we're going to do the fun part, Natalie, and we're going to open the phone lines uh, again, my name is Desiree Joy Frias. I use she/her pronouns, and I'm speaking with Natalie James, who also uses she/her pronouns, a comrade in New York City DSA on the organizing committee of the Queer Caucus, talking about Reclaim Pride. So, Natalie, why do you spend what is likely hundreds of hours a year helping organize the Reclaim Pride March? What does Pride mean to you? Well, um, I think that um, it, it was something that uh, that was just it just got to me that, uh, that, that, uh, a, a group of people that had been so radical, so revolutionary, so intersectional and an event that had represented those values had been turned into what it is today, the grotesque, uh, corporate pride parade. Um, I, I, um, so maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. It just didn't make any sense, you know. I, I, uh, to have to, to sort of honor the police uh, on an event uh, marking marking uh, you know the Stonewall riots. Uh, so so basically, um, and then as I started, you know, organizing uh, the the 2019 march, which was just a complete you know 
year-long endeavor, um, I learned things, and I learned things like the first queer, liber- the first uh, Pride March, which had members of this very radical revolutionary group called the Gay Liberation Front as organizers. Um, they had the first march route pass a women's prison in the village, and they chanted, uh, "Free our sisters, free ourselves," because there were women. Uh, Black Panther prisoners in that in that prison, and that was a very deliberate and intentional sort of uh, route to to pass the prison and to and to chant those words. And it to me it exemplifies uh, solidarity, intersectionality, and um, and just how um, and it's inextricably intertwined queer liberation and abolitionism abolitionism are. So those are those are you know that that's always a, a moving thing that I think about. Do it help people call in if I gave the phone number? So we'd love for you to call in and talk to us. The phone number is 212-209-2877. Again, the number to call in and ask questions is 212-209-2877. We already have a call. So (laughs) uh, you're on live with WBAI 99.5 Revolutions Per Minute. How are you, ladies? Hello. Yes, good evening, ladies. How are you? Can well, you hear thanks. Me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it sounds okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, um, I'm so, it's, it's so saddening. It is so saddening. Um, I've, after hearing Tiffany Caban, only I was just moved to tears because she had gotten swindled out of that, that election. Melinda Katz, is not the Queens DA. That election was stolen. The same thing that happened in the Queens DA race, same thing that happened in 2000. The people on the right do not want to see people like Melinda Katz in the position of power. And it's sickening. It really is sickening. Tiffany Caban had the election. I wanted to see her. I wanted to see Queens, and you know, given a new a, a new clean slate. With finally a female and 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 powerful ones. I'm grateful that we have AOC, but you know, Tiffany Cabanchi was trying to legalize, um, you know, you know, sex work and all that stuff, and um, just making Queens a far like a you know a 360 degree turnaround from when um you know you know Richard Brown was on Queens DA. Queens had the highest conviction rate. Well, I guess it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, some things not meant to be, you know. And I hope that she um, she runs for um, like probably you know some you know some you know get get a seat in the Senate or something like that. Even though the primaries. Well, I have I have great news for you. She is currently running uh, this year for city council uh, in Astoria, Rikers. I, I'm from the Bronx, so I don't know much about the Queens, but <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> up there somewhere, uh, she's currently running for city council. Um, yeah, and just that, you know, you know, I, just, I mean, she just should, she shouldn't be the Queens DA. Melinda Katz is not the Queens DA. Tiffany Caban rightfully won the election, and they had did, they did a recount. They wanted to play. They they, they want to do the same that happened in 2000 with Al, with Al Gore and Bush. It's a disgrace that they don't want to see progressives in power. That's yeah, why doing absolutely. That's why, doing every, that's why doing everything now, you know, in, in Georgia and stuff, trying to trying to modify voting laws. All of a sudden, states they're trying they're trying to go back to Jim Crow. 
Anyway, I got to let me. I got to get other people a uh, chance to call. Yes, thank you I'm so sorry. much for sharing, and I totally agree. And and I think uh, it's really important that we continue to to uh, push for people like Tiffany, who are women of color, who uh, are queer women, uh, to be in positions of power because they just have such a different life experience and mindset, and they can really dismantle the white supremacy that we live under. Um, if if given the chance. So thank you for sharing. Uh, we have another call. Go ahead. You're live with WBAI 99.5. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm curious that, you know, uh, this country was built on, um, you know, built uh, biblical and Christian views. And the thing being is that how those uh, people, uh, regular people, get to name themselves if they didn't correct themselves. If they didn't correct themselves, how can they say who they are? As you, it's just like if you're a porter and you, you're sculpting clay, can the clay say, why did you make me? Or I'm, I'm something else. The thing being is, you know, it, it says in the Bible, God made people. So if, how can we be morphed into something else then? If, because we say so. And well, thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer this one as a queer Christian woman who actually teaches, uh, you know, nursery school at our church. Uh, we teach that God created everyone, you know, exactly how they are. That's what I believe. And I think that that includes uh, everyone in the word everyone, including queer people, however they choose to identify, however they are, however they were created. Uh, but Natalie, I want to go back to uh, that point that the first caller had. Um, how, do you think it's important to have queer people in office? Um, I think that uh, for me, uh, without a doubt, policy and the ability to implement and amplify uh, leftist policy are first and foremost what I, what I uh, you know, look for. And I value that Tiffany is um, a Latina, uh, a queer Latina. I, my, I didn't mention all of my full intersection of identities myself at the committee of the call, but my mother is an immigrant from uh, Colombia, South America, Bogota, and I am I identify as a lesbian, uh, but, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg, for instance, you know, um, and I, one of my favorite things to come out of the, the 2020 election was the acronym LGBTQ means let's get Buttigieg to quit, right? Uh, because he had terrible policies. He was, he worked at McKinsey. He, he was a horrific mayor, a r- horrific mayor, racist mayor of his little town in, Indiana. I mean, you name it. He was just awful. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's, if, if, if there are two candidates, one is a white man and one is a, a minority and they both have great policies. Sure. I think I'll take the, the minority candidate with the great policies over the, the white man with the great policies, but policies first and foremost, you know? Um, and I, and that's, and that's why I've been knocking on doors for Tiffany Caban. I live in Astoria. She's unfortunately wouldn't be my candidate, but I'm in an adjacent, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, city council district. And I've been knocking on doors on the weekends for Tiffany Caban. 
And I petitioned for her, along with other members of the Queer Caucus when she ran for DA, because I believe that she has the principles and the integrity and and the and the and the platform that would actually um, materially materially benefit everyday people. Absolutely. And, and as a Latina as well, like, you know, it it's great. Like we have the most diverse mayoral slate um, ever. However, um, Eric Adams, who is a black candidate, is also a cop. And Andrew Yang, who is an Asian candidate, is also, you know, a startup. Like he wants to turn New York City into a tech app mm-hmm. um, and is completely disconnected from the reality of the people living here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's great that as we continue to progress as a society, uh, not only will we get people uh, in office of diverse experiences, but we'll get to be really choosy and, and really focus on the policy and the issues um, at, at while we still get representation in our communities. Um, and I wanted to go back a second to uh, this Pride season and all the businesses that have, uh, you know, switched June 1st to their rainbow logos. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about capitalism and this kind of symbolic co-optation? Absolutely. So one of our slogans for since our very first March was, we're here for queer liberation, not rainbow capitalism. I don't think we invented that, but we certainly um, elevated that message. And um, and what rainbow capitalism is, at least to me, is this extreme exploitation and commercialization of the queer identity. Um, and it's it's very insidious, um, and it's um, and a related term is is pinkwashing, which can be applied to things like that are completely, um, you know, malevolent and oppressive forces of our society, like, you know, big banks, for instance, and Wall Street firms, but also to the police, uh, as we've seen, and also to oppressive states. Uh, Israel, for instance, has long had, um, you know, uh, this this messaging where it it, uh, bills itself as, gay friendly while torturing gay Palestinians and uh, blackmailing them to turn against their, their uh, community. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about how you see the reclaim pride coalition, um, like liberating our community from that. Well, I think that, um, symbols are important and to the extent that, um, you know, the pride parade is a, is a, is a powerful symbol. Um, you know, that's, that's why these corporations and these institutions invest in having a presence there. Um, to the extent that we're able to provide an alternative, to the extent that we're able to inspire people, to educate people, to have people have the, fir- the uh, sort of exhilarating experience of the first marches where Literally, people could be on the sidewalk and see a, a bunch of people march by them in that sort of almost like a poetic quality of a large march of, of the, the movement of the marchers, the signs, the costumes. Um, uh, it's it's something that some young people had never experienced something like that. And um, and I think that it's, it's it has the potential to be a very inspiring event too. And part of the overall sort of zeitgeist or a moment that we're in where I think, um, you know, the, the sort of old power structure, more aligned with profit, more aligned with big business, etc., it's being pushed back in various ways. 
We saw it with uh, with Occupy, for instance. Uh, while Occupy was largely symbolic, it did garner a lot of media attention around poverty and around income inequality. And uh, and while Reclaim Pride similarly is largely symbolic, it too has garnered a tremendous amount of media coverage in regards to not only rainbow capitalism and pinkwashing as, as concepts, but also to police brutality and how it is just as bad as it uh, as it was today as it was um, in 1969, uh, for instance, for trans women of color and other queer people of color. So we're going to wrap up now. Thank you so much, Natalie James. We spoke today about queer liberation with Natalie James, Sage Lease, and Tiffany Caban. The Reclaim Pride March that they helped organize is on Sunday, June 27th at 2.30 p.m. in Bryant Park. You can volunteer or join them at reclaimprideNYC.org or Queer March at Queer March on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and Natalie, might, this could be a great question. So it's a baby gay's first pride. Any tips? <laughs> so um, I would say uh, if it's hot outside, I love a big hat of some sort. I love it, you know, just for the shade. Um, bring some water. Bring some. Uh, bring bring a snack. You know, something high protein. But prepare to have fun. You know, have fun making a sign that you're proud of. Have fun putting on an outfit that you're proud of, and. Um, and experience something and prepare yourself to experience something that's part of the queer tradition of combining protest with celebration, with creativity, with humor. And that's something that is, uh, I think, endemic to the queer culture. And, and so it, just prepare yourself for a really great experience. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Um, and also, I would add to that list uh, for a baby gay, you can invest in a high quality fan because you you'll use that at all kinds of parties and events uh, so. absolutely I would say so. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much uh, for coming on uh, you've been listening to revolutions per minute on listener sponsored WBAI in New York City broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcasting app to connect with us after the show you can email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com or you can find us on our website revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com or on twitter at nycrpm happy pride i'll see you all on the street sunday june 27th 2 30 p.m bryant park <laughs>